Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 323, and today we'll be talking about Obsidian from Adventure Time Distant Lands. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Hoo-wee! Ah! Yeah! <laughs> uh, this was uh, amazing! Oh. You tell me, hey, it's gonna be a Marceline Bubblegum episode, and I'm immediately like, that's gonna be my favorite! Uh, followed, of course, closely by Peppermint Butler's episode, but that one hasn't happened yet, so this one is my favorite so far. Yeah, easily for me. I mean, I think BMO was a lot of fun, but Obsidian gives you everything that you like about Adventure Time. It gives you some of the best characters, or, you know, I I think some people are like Glass Boy, maybe Marceline is, is, yeah. is the favorite, and you get lore that I, I you know i think bebo actually leaned surprisingly harder into the lore than i was expecting it to but this is a lot more meaningful because it's not just uh lore for lore's sake right it, it, it yeah the the depth additional depth it gives to marceline and and and, and bubblegum is important but especially on uh, marceline's side you know we just get to dig farther into her tragic life you want to talk about additional depth to marceline and bubblegum i never realized that that t-shirt that uh, she gave her, I never realized that we didn't know the specific provenance of that. So it was very cool to see, oh, so this is where Marceline <laughs> gave her the shirt. Yeah, I mean, I guess it never actually occurred to me that it was her playing in a band. Like whenever we saw, you know, Princess Bubblegum obsessively sniffing that shirt, which by the way, is the thickest subtext that has ever existed. In a show that otherwise, you know, I guess felt like it had other, you know, unfortunate limitations. And yet uh, she she really loves smelling that shirt. But it just seemed more like, a, oh, this is the shirt that my girlfriend also owned or something, right? Like, yeah. I didn't think it was actually thrown at the concert, which uh, is its own cute little thing. And I like that they wrapped up, you know, this whole movie episode that way. But, man, <laughs> they... uh we get here their fallout and it skips most of the actual arguments but i think i think you pretty much know what what brings them to this point right because we know who marceline is and we know who princess bubblegum is or at least what they both were i think we've seen more of past bubblegum and sort of the criticisms that marceline has make at least more sense to me calling her a dictator her obsession with ruling the Candy Kingdom and building it and trying to help people in a way that seems more selfish than selfless. But, uh, man, Marceline is also just a very, <laughs> um, you know, annoying thousand-year-old teenager. An angry young punk. <laughs> yeah, she's just an angry punk. But, you know, she's super scarred, and especially, like, in the monster lyrics when she describes both of them as, you know, me- kids who were messed up and raised themselves. Pretty much sums it up. Although, Bubblegum's is much stranger, <laughs> because then she made her own family, and then that family didn't work out. <laughs> um, oh, well. I mean, there's there's just amethyst all over this episode, uh, <laughs> in the audio, and then in the, then in the kindergarten uh, aspect. Yeah, yeah. Well, and literally, amethyst is uh, in this episode. Then the imperfection, like I said, in the audio. Good God, I was watching the episode, and the whole time I'm like, man, he really sounds like Amethyst, and I, I had to check, and sure enough, it's Michaela Dietz. Uh, of course. I actually, it didn't hit me immediately, but actually watching it the second time, once I knew, 
I actually had to work to not hear Amethyst because the first time I yeah. heard it, it's actually like she's putting on a voice that sounds more like boyish and more like I don't I don't know. He's I mean Amethyst is pretty excitable, but he's more so. He's more young and silly, and I I think it's a pretty good differentiation anyway. Like it's not just oh it's Amethyst's voice and that's the only voice she can do. But it is that signature, raspy, amazing <laughs> performance. Not everyone can be Mark Hamill. Uh, not everyone can be Rebecca Sugar either. I think that it was uh, a little sad to meet Marcy's mom again and it not to be voiced by Rebecca. That was so special when she was there to sing Everything Stays. You know, after hearing Everything Stays. But, uh, you know, I didn't actually look up the, the actor for Marceline's mom in this one. She did a pretty good job at emulating the the voice. And I mean, I think that if you weren't such a attentive viewer, you might not have noticed. The attendants were all people I recognized. Oh yeah, they, they all sounded so annoying. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. But, you know, they're supposed to. Yeah, 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 yeah. But one of them was like, I recognized them from Legend of Korra. I don't know if it was the announcer guy. That probably was it. And then the other two. Actually, I don't know who the... the I don't know. It's like she's always in, standing in the middle, so I think of her as the middle one. But the one who was doing the <laughs> heavy um, Valley Girls, you know, voice. Which, by the way, that line close to the middle of the episode where she says, It's our perfect, perfect civilization. <laughs> like, holy crap. Was that intentional? That was so good. I liked... Finn's Finn just showing up at the end. Okay, just... yeah, I mean, the internet broke with that, and I think that the best thing they're doing with that is hyping up the, like, clearly it's a pattern with BMO that they're, you know, surprising us. Ooh, it's at a different point in the timeline that you than you were thinking of, and ooh, where's Jake? <laughs> you know, we've now seen them at the end twice, so I'm assuming that's going to happen again in the Pet Bud episode so that we can feel really, uh, you know heartbroken when when our final episode comes out and you know we get whatever heartbreaking story we're gonna get about finn and jake because you know it kind of looks like with finn's tattoo that uh jake met his um his his dreams and what 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 was his what is that dream called oh the uh darn it i can't remember now that has a it has a name croak dream croak dream croak dream as for more uh, fun, amusing things, I-, I liked that instead of calling them guards, they call them shards. Yeah. Ha ha ha. <laughs> yeah, there was a few. I kept thinking that when Glass Boy hits the high note and breaks the attendants' heads, <laughs> I kept thinking <laughs> that uh, STP was saying shots. Like, <laughs> everybody take a shot. Shots. Shot. I thought that's shots. what she said, shots. but she was saying shards. And I did not catch it's that a because private of the party, accent. and you were all invited. I just really thought that she was like, "All right, guys, every time someone's head explodes when Glass Boy sings, <laughs> take a shot." Uh, either that, or she's a big private party fan. One of the two. <laughs> one of the two. I love though that they were kind enough to include symbolism so obvious in this episode. Even I was able to catch it. <laughs> I thought that was really nice of them. Yes, there's a lot of obvious parallels between um, what's going on in the present. Marceline and, and Larvo. And yeah, what's what what happened with both Marceline and Bubblegum, but even also reflections of 
Marceline getting called monster trash and then also being, you know, explicitly feeling like a monster because, well, she kind of is one a little bit. I mean, she's a demon. Depends on what your classification system is. But, you know, she thought she scared her mom away. So I, I do have, though, a couple questions related to this symbolism. So, like, you know, the, the dragon is a monster because of its pain physically, and Marceline was a monster because of her pain emotionally, but, you know, Mar- Marceline just eventually kind of bears her soul rather than keeping everything bottled up, and that causes her to, you know, go soft and live a happier life. But when the monster uncovers the thing, when he co- uncovers his injury, he, like, literally metamorphosizes into this soft, fuzzy little flying cat creature thing. And it's like, that is the most Adventure Time thing ever, isn't it? Oh, just the fact that we even got a monster flashback during the monster song. I mean, okay, first of all, I'm pretty sure that the character designer for, you know, some corrupted gem worked on the undersea creature that attacked our monster. Because just like that boxy design looked so close. But man, they're just that like weird... You know, it had that ephemeral nature of being wavy underwater and dreamy, and but it was for the monster. <laughs> it's just <laughs> so great that we got to see him hanging out with his little fam, and then his whole fam gets eaten, and then he, uh, you know, covers up his injury. That, yeah, that was so, so adventure-timey, and so great. I do wonder, though, how Marceline's song was able to defeat it the first time. It it looked like he was being physically intimidated by meeting someone even angrier than he was. Is is that what you got out of the scene? Like, honestly, it feels kind of like a fluke that, you know, it was quote-unquote defeated the first time. It just kind of backed away from intimidation, and it wasn't even that long of a period of intimidation. It's just like, this pain is going to overwhelm your sub-backup, sub buddy. Because the second time I watched it, it's like, okay, so Mar- Marceline is even angrier than him. Maybe maybe that's why he's backing up. But both times I watched the episode, I'm sitting here thinking, is this related to when she asks Glassboy, ugh, is that really what I sound like? Like, is, is he repulsed by the thought that he's as angry and annoying and whiny as Marceline? Hmm, I like that theory. I mean, clearly we're meant to see that and think, you know, the monster's like, damn, I'm not even being as cold as this chick <laughs> to that bubblegum lady over there. You know, who, who caused more destruction, right? Yeah, that was like the first thing I thought was like, is, is he just allergic to drama? He's like, oh boy, I don't want any of this. In which case, Lumpy Space Princess would have been the best person to save them from Larvo the second time if he's really averse to drama. Maybe. There's... Also, something going on with it. it does, the episode doesn't focus on it too much, but the fact that Larvo's hanging out in a, in a lava pit that was at one point, you know, when uh, Glassboy first goes in, you see that there's like a ton of infrastructure, devices, things. I mean, clearly there's already a pulley system for for healing. Like they had this whole thing set up, yeah. and then Larvo interrupted like, it. Yeah, he had that in his book. That used to be what they used it for. But the episode ends not with everybody now able to use it. They just embrace the cracks so there's there's something there saying that it's some kind of inversion on the expectation that i mean when the story starts you're almost thinking oh there is no dragon glass boy is right it's like nobody will listen to glass boy but actually the monster was defeated and we could all go heal ourselves but no that wasn't the case 
And also, apparently, we don't need to heal ourselves. No, with the with the cracks thing, that was another one of those, like, incredibly unsubtle things. Like, I, I was almost expecting, like, uh, do you want to know more? You know, as everyone's revealing that they're cracked, and the people are like, oh, no, you're cracked, you can't be leader anymore. We're the most cracked of them all. It's like, that's... <laughs> and their designs are so goofily... Like, you should have known from the beginning, looking at those ribbons, that they were hiding cracks themselves. I l- thought that was great. Well, they they looked like actual clothing, so I'll give them that. But uh, yeah, it's like... It this was well is, disguised. This is pretty thickly political. Like, it's, it's almost to the point, are we sure Rebecca Sugar doesn't have a secret writing credit on this <laughs> one? <laughs> Adam Muto, her old her old storyboard partner, was on this. So uh, again, we can we can look at the it deeply, and we can say, "Man, this crack metaphor is so great." Or we can just enjoy when the characters say things like, "I'm gonna chip you up," which made me <laughs> die when when Marceline shatters that that one guard's uh, yeah. head. Stop chipping my cups. Which also, I was so confused. Did she just chip his? outer shell like is that like a outfit he was wearing or like do these glass things have weird I don't know lumps in the middle because they're transparent so we would see if they had like he had such a weird small head but it didn't look opaque or it did look opaque that it didn't look transparent. Guy. i don't i don't know i i don't know but he he messed with p-bubs and you don't mess with p-bubs in front of marcy uh yeah apparently not <laughs> marcy will just shatter you <laughs> Out of the way, Blue Diamond. There's a new Shatterer in town. Exactly. What did you think about PB's uh, wanting to be recognized plot? Did that mean anything in this episode? I mean, we have that kind of established character trait about her, but I just didn't know how much it really played mm. in. I feel like Marceline was definitely taking the, the spotlight here as far as the, the tortured past and everything. And we know that PB wants to be loved and all, but I I don't know. It just kind of didn't get resolved yeah i don't think that ties into the rest of it at least not in ways that i was able to pick up on like she she gets a moment where she figures out she can shoot root beer instead of fart jelly beans from her hands and that ends up failing and then she never really succeeds except i mean she does uh she does uh do the do the kiss at the end you know and sort of takes the lead there I mean, she learns not to add a full blast setting to her next force field model, so <laughs> there's that. There is that. You can't be so overzealous. <laughs> oh. So I know that you, uh, you're avoiding talking about the, the sad things. Let's, let's, let's talk about the sad oh. things a little bit. Why do we have to be sad? There were no flashbacks to Marceline's youth in this episode. <sighs> what are you talking about? Man, Marceline's youth. I have always loved the way that the apocalypse happened in Adventure Time. I think it's one of the most fascinating, like, this show's combination of fantasy and sci-fi, at least with the, the, the timeline they have set up and with the parallel worlds and so many, you know, just huge spanning characters. It almost, it's a little secret. I almost like it a little more than even Steven Universe's setup, just because we've get, <laughs> gotten to see so much of it. Like, we know that Steven Universe's timeline is 20,000 years long and some mysterious diamond things happened in the past and they've been alive for a long time. But, but Adventure Time's world is just so cool because we've seen what the distance past was like and that there was no magic 
in the middle, and then it's magical again, and then also the Candy Kingdom's destroyed another thousand years in the future. It's very cool, and but this period where it's our world, and it is devastated, and it is bad, and like, the, the mutant monsters that appear are not cute candy beasts. They are weird wolves. I mean, okay, there is like a golden scorpion with an S chain, yeah. and I don't <laughs> know what that's about. And that's fantastic. <laughs> I know Ian Jones Cordy loves loves those S's, so maybe <laughs> maybe maybe they called him up and asked him, "Hey man, is there anything anything you want us to put into this one?" And he's like, "Get the S's in, man." It just draws that S, and they did him a solid. Those wolves, like, it was the perfect combination of they draw it super scary, grotesque, and yet the baby, you know, its catchphrase is "What's up?" <laughs> even though even though the mother's super threatening and. I, I like that we also got a little bit of light into Marceline was fully aware of her demonness as a child, and you know it actually played a significant role in how she felt about herself. And of course, you know we saw that it played into her tragically thinking that it caused her mom to leave her instead of you know just straight up dying. So what what killed everyone at the secret clubhouse party bunker? What was was like the bunker door open when the blast came, and that's why everyone is skeletonized in in place rather than like curling up in balls and dying of radiation poisoning, or what? I do have some concern that even though I just said I love the timeline a lot in Adventure Time, I do think that it's not. I'm sure there could be some staff members, and it's completely thought out, and they know the exact timeline. But from my perspective, I feel like there's a little bit of mushy gushiness. Because when we saw Simon, you know, first revealed as Simon in the tapes in the Christmas special, and he's talking, and he's found the crown, and then, you know, he gets older, and it becomes colder outside, and there's maybe some planes flying in the background, he, uh, he never, like, experiences an, a straight-up explosion, and it kind of seems like the, 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 the Great Mushroom War, it's always described as a war, but it always feels like it was just one giant explosion. I guess, though, it wasn't, and it must have been that there was some amount of time. It just feels like there was very little time between, like, Marceline being born and Simon getting the crown and then his descent into being somewhat the Ice King, and then he finds Marceline after she dies. There's just, there's, like, only a few years there, and yet it wiped out humanity super significantly, and these people had enough time to build a bunker, live in the bunker, and then die once there was a big enough explosion you know, the one that probably caused the the giant, you know, hole in the earth. I don't know. There's like only a few years in there, and I'm not sure about it. It's just like Marceline and her mom are super isolated. So maybe something very recently happened, and this is just the results after. But everything's just so desolated. It's kind of hard. It feels like it's 20 years after an apocalypse, not a few months, you know? But maybe that's how the the Mushroom War was. I mean, I, I want to know, like, how did she know exactly where the bunker was and have a key card to it? Like, it's like she's from the bunker, but in that case, why was she not there? I don't know. Was that Hunson Abadir's doing? Uh, and that part, I... They've left that so sublime, haven't they? That they refuse to tell us about why on earth, how on earth this... The, the literal Satan of this universe... <laughs> Met, met her. I, I, I don't know. The sweetest woman in the world. Yeah. How? I mean, we've seen this. Maybe dude. that's why he sought her out because she is his perfect opposite. I just really hope it wasn't a like Zeus situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just. Oh. I don't. I don't know. He's a bad dude. I don't know. Like, she, she would be like the only person who would show him honest compassion. I, I think he would respect that. Yeah. I don't know. We've seen weird births in this show, though. Remember how Jake's dad spawned jake 
out of his head <laughs> from an alien. I mean, weird things can happen in this universe. Okay, now that is some Zeus stuff right there, spawning a child out of your head. Right, something something weird could have happened from from good old Satan. But, you know, obviously she was at the bunker and trekked away from it because she knew all the landmarks to get there. Right, I, again, so it just, I don't know. we see that there was, like, a time period, though, because, you know, look at the gas station. It's covered in markings that say things like, gas yeah. for meat. So there was there was an active gas for meat exchange. Also, someone had enough time to go through a crisis of, you know, what happens after nihilism? <laughs> because yep. it says, after nihilism, question mark, which that is the best background detail of this episode by far in my book just whoever came up with that i did see on reddit someone pointed out at the very start of the episode the one warhead or you know nuclear bomb that said gone fission on it which i i'll say is a close second (laughs) as far as puns go but (laughs) after nihilism it's a fantastic i really don't know what's happened on this planet question but yeah, so clearly there were people, there were humans, like everyone didn't just die. There was an active war and apocalypse happening where things got pretty bad. Either that or maybe those were the people living for the past few years after, you know, everything kind of got blown up. I, I don't know. But like compared to the gas station where it wasn't completely obliterated, you got to think there was some kind of active radiation, not just fiery explosion yeah. force that killed all the people in that bunker. And, and I'm not sure how. You know, again, you could go crazy with theories. Did Marceline and her mom survive because they were in the nitosphere for some amount of time? That would help you escape the apocalypse. Perhaps. That would make sense. Because there's very few humans. I guess they've never even talked about how the humans from islands survived, right? The ones that migrated to the island? Yeah, because they were away from the island for a while. They didn't start out isolated. They started out on the mainland. Right. There was just a group of humans that eventually escaped. But, um, you know, I guess they were somewhere very different from where Marceline was. Yeah. I've been watching uh, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power again, and you were talking about some things in Adventure Time have been left sublime, unexplained. There are so many things in the backstory in She-Ra that are left completely <laughs> unexplained, um, as as we have discussed in the past. And it's, come on, guys, like, <laughs> you gotta publish, like, your series Bible. I need to know these things. Yeah, or publish, you know, your last art book and then just show that you have a timeline and show that you have what happened 20,000 years ago with the diamonds and say you were going to make a four-part episode where Steven goes into space and finds out about the origin of the diamonds, but then don't do it. But we're not going to tell you. <laughs> and make us hate Cartoon Network or hate somebody. Because at least like when the when the Fallout games got canceled, they, they released the series Bible. So we got to learn a, a whole lot about the world as envisioned by its creators. I'm just saying. At least with Adventure Time, it just feels like, you know, the show can keep going. They could always put out another special at this point, so there's yeah, always they need to. hope. But I, I mean, I think what we learned about Marceline and Bubblegum is what I think they always wanted to tell in the actual show. I don't think they ever planned to talk about what happened with yeah. Marceline's mom and Abadir. I think, in fact, it might not even be concrete. You know, there might have been writer's room discussions, but I bet that there are several storyboarders with different ideas of what actually happened. 
Much like the people who say, oh yeah, Lars, Lars can't eat now. Like, that's one storyboarder's opinion. The, uh, the other storyboarder from that episode disagrees vehemently. So <laughs> that's the beautiful thing about when episodes don't exist is that canon is only as good as, you know, different people's voices from a writer's room. Because it turns out these worlds actually don't exist, even though they've convinced us that what? they do. It's crazy, I know. No, 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 no. My my Watsonian persona requires that this be a real world that we can explore. I There is maybe the scientific possibility that everything we've ever imagined is real, but that's also heartbreaking. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for some of the people that tell really sad stories. Okay, yeah, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it's, maybe it's better that not everything be real. <laughs> Including, um, my main man, Choose Goose, who came back. I wish Choose Goose <laughs> just, was real. Just his completely at random. Oh, and his illegal moisturizer. They, oh man, that dude could be paid. If there was like a good Adventure Time game, he would be saying little quotes in all the loading screens in between. I wish that we had that. I wish we had more Choose Freaking Goose. Well, unfortunately, loading screens are about to be a thing of the past, David. I so know. They're have SSDs, to work him in somewhere else. The brand new invention of SSDs is allowing games to finally not have loading screens. It's amazing we just came up with that technology and we're uh, finally going to use it. Yep, just now. Just now they came out. Wonderful. Choose Goose came in at the wrong time for that. I do, I do like, I, I, there's uh, honestly a lack of other, I think, they threw in Choose Goose because they didn't really have any other opportunities for other types of characters. Is very focused on Marceline, and so there wasn't going to be any other fun, goofy characters we know. Yeah, Choose Goose was like clear nostalgia pop bait. Absolutely. And it wouldn't have really fit for like the apocalypse that Marceline is experiencing at four years old, or however old she is, is not one where we could see any proto-characters wandering around yet. It is just hardcore desolate and scary so i'm you know glad they only decided to break the tragedy in the present with glass boy <laughs> coming in and uh you know wiping away all our tears i think it is weird though the the way they transition from marceline being like eh, i'm not sure i really want to go to ha you're too late marceline already left it's like really it's, it's like they made a decision when the camera wasn't on them what I I don't know. I mean, that, that that felt very odd to me. That's like the only thing that really jumps out is, I think that was a mistake that they made. I really do. I mean, could be. I don't know what the timeline for these episodes were, but honestly, everything else feels so high production, so well paid attention to. I, I don't know. I, I think they were going for something that just did not land with me at all. But oof. let me tell you, though, this is the kind of episode that is really annoying to watch with a certain kind of person. Who like at the very beginning, it's like, who are these? Who are these people? What are they doing? It's like, I don't know. Watch the episode with me. I've, I've never seen these people before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think those... you're seeing it as you were intended to. If that, uh... <laughs> are you describing an actual situation that happened, GC? That's great. Those people, oh, though, it happens all the time. <laughs> those people ask those questions anyway. Like if I watch a show with my mom, she's asking, you know, who's that and. I don't know. You'll find I out later. I don't know either. <laughs> We're still watching. His identity will be revealed by his actions. So someone whose actions elude me a bit are Simons. 
we do get Simon back in this episode, and Simon is oh. more tortured by his history of having been the Ice King than I guess I would have thought. I don't know if I if you'd ask me what is Simon doing now that he doesn't have Betty, but he is his own man. I don't know. He's a man of science. He likes Marceline, but that's it's about his only real connection to the world, unless you know, unless he has a pretty extensive memory of being Ice King, in which case he might have some affinity for. Finn and Jake, and but you know, I don't know. Maybe he wants to go explore the crazy mythical magical world. I don't know, but instead, no, he's playing the same song <laughs> that broke our hearts so many years ago at open mic nights, and <laughs> dressing up as the Ice King. Still, there's 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 a lot going on there that I don't. I, I uh, want to see unpacked in its own episode that that we're not ever gonna get. But hey, he was able to rally Finn and the Banana Guards, so he's got a posse on speed dial. <laughs> I those guys were looking pretty incompetent at that point. I <laughs> classic Banana Guard. I I wonder if Finn's always that laid back about things these days. You know, post Jake's um croak. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's suggestive of anything that he's. I mean, we definitely saw by the end of Adventure Time that he had really let go of his fighter you know spirit his hero spirit was much more aligned with diplomacy and 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 peace and talking so maybe that's where he's landed and why he comes only bearing a towel and and not a not a sword or a you know sword arm or anything princess bubblegum can shoot root beer maybe maybe he needs to clean a spill up you never know (laughs) he's just there to wipe up after that's something yeah so simon (laughs) is not doing great and i find it interesting that they just gave us that one snapshot and is that going to be the last snapshot we ever see of simon i don't i don't know how much work they're going to do in that final finn and jake episode to really you know include everyone again they already had an actual finale so i you know there's there's our little view that's what simon does there are few characters that are more important to finn and jake than ice king so i would i would hope that if they feel he needs resolution that he would get it there one thing I am wondering, though, is people are looking at Simon and looking at Finn and thinking, okay, Finn's young, and it makes sense that he's visually aged a lot more. Is Simon just accidentally doesn't look like he aged because he's older, or is this dude actually immortal? And I, I don't think he's supposed to be immortal because we see the evergreen spirit in whatever, I don't remember if it was a Grable or whatever gave us a vision of the future again, a thousand years in the future, we saw that the evergreen beast is still still trucking after a thousand years. But I, is is Simon going to be? Is he going to die a natural death? I mean, I guess he could always be just killed instead of dying of age. But I did think it was a little weird that they decided to just go ahead and throw in immortality for him. Since, you know, every other character on the show yeah. is either immortal or not. <laughs> might, might as well give him immortality. He might just be living really clean. You never know. <laughs> living clean. Um, Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember what Betty's wish was and if that would actually influence him never dying. Oh, yeah. Did they release these songs yet on like streaming platforms yet or for purchase? Because they were all bangers. Let's check Spotify. Yes, we have It's Funny, Woke Up, Red Light, See-Through, Monster, and Eternity With You. Not that, bad. I mean, they're great last songs if those are truly now the last songs we ever get from Marceline. I'm going to miss Olivia Olsen playing her, and she's always had the best songs in 
Adventure Time if they weren't, you know, the Rebecca Sugar written songs. And hey, she can never help it if she makes a scene. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, guys, that's been us on Obsidian. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.